the way that so many restaurants have uh, pivoted and grown and adapted in these last eight, nine months has just completely set them up for success. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're battle tested now. They have adapted to what the future was going to be, but is now much more quickly here. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined by Sam Okus today. Now, this guy, super fascinating background. He has gone from a culture contributor in Athens, Ohio, to a contributor of culture in the world over as an award-winning editorial director of Food News Media, which is the publisher of QSR and FSR magazines, and one of the top people to follow in the food and beverage space. And uh, we just found out that his name is spelled O-C-H-E-S. My name is O-A-T-E-S. But both people mispronounce our names as Oaks. So anyway, we're, we're <laughs> brothers in another dimension. Uh, but Sam, so glad that you're joining us on Give Innovation today. Oh, thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. Uh, yeah, that the, the path from, from getting from Athens to here was not quite as exciting living it, but uh, I like to hear you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam, first of all, talk to us about how, how do you get into the food and beverage news industry? Like, what is that journey like? Yeah, pure dumb luck. That was all it was. Yeah, I um I graduated into the recession uh, originally, and um, you know, at the time, so I was getting a journalism degree. As you said, I was a, a culture contributor all through college. I was going to be a music journalist. I, I'm a musician. I just I wanted to follow bands. You know, the you, whole almost play, famous kind of thing. I'm a drummer. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, and I had bands in college and I, I just, I wanted music to be my life. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I realized that there was no life in that. Um, I had a girlfriend who is now my wife. And, you know, at the time it was like, okay, well, um, you know, if we, if we want to make this, you know, uh, permanent, I, I need to have some income. And so, um, I pivoted late in college to business journalism because I recognized there was always a need in business journalism. And then seriously, pure dumb luck. Uh, I, I, I started as the associate editor for QSR the week after I, I uh, got my diploma. So um, oh, wow. it, it, it worked out really well. Um, and it's been such a great spot for me. I just loved it uh, so much clearly that I've stuck around now for nearly 12 years. Isn't it such a, it's a phenomenal industry. I yeah. love, you know, I, I grew up, my first job was as a soda jerk at Friendly's in New Jersey. And man, ever since then, I just love the hospitality people. We, we are totally, just, yeah. We I, are just a different kind of crazy that that is so much fun. Yeah, you know, it's fun. I've never. This is my dirty little secret. I've never worked in a restaurant. I, I'm embarrassed to say it now. Um, but when I when I got into this industry, you know, early on with QSR, I really discovered how relational it is. And um, mm -hmm. you know, I just I just love the people of this industry more than anything, and that's really what's kept me here. And I, I I'm a restaurant lifer now. I just don't see any other way I could be in any other industry because I just so enjoy working with restaurant people. So with that restaurant life, or let's talk about the lifetime of a restaurant, are yeah. restaurants going to die? 
Yeah, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up now. It's yep, and uh, say <laughs> well, goodbye. Thanks, no, everyone. I mean, <laughs> this was fun. This is the this is the definitive uh, message. We're saying no, you know, not at all. And um, and in fact, you know, um, of course, we're still in the thickest stuff right now, and it's pretty brutal. But um, I everybody I talk to on the QSR and fast casual side of things is very optimistic, um, you know, and, and, you know, we've recently gotten some vaccine news that's very optimistic as well. I, you know, we have a few tough months ahead of us for sure. The restaurant industry is going to go through quite winter, a slog. Yeah. Totally. It's going to be pretty bad, but, um, and it's, it's certainly not to make light of that or being sensitive to it, but I do think, you know, once we're on the other side of this, um, you know, economists are predicting, I mean, there's going to be a boom probably next year and restaurants are really going to ride that boom. And what I, you know, I can say too, is um, the way that so many restaurants have uh, pivoted and grown and adapted in these last eight, nine months has just completely set them up for success. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're battle tested now. They have adapted to what the future was going to be, but is now much more quickly here. Um, and, and so those restaurants that get to the other side of this are going to experience significant growth, I think, in the coming years. Um, and so, so most definitively, the restaurant industry is not dying. And in fact, you know, I think, you know, God forbid there's another pandemic in the next decade. I think the next decade will be a very fruitful time for the restaurant industry. So what, what does that look like? This, this concept, everyone talks about the new normal. Um, Rev Ciancio introduced me to the concept called the new better, which I love and I'm fully embracing because I do think there's so much that is better about this. But in, in, your, in your eyes, what do you see as the new better? Yeah, I think the new better um, is going to be all about efficiency. I mean, at least in the operations side of things, right? Um, you know, what, what we saw for the last decade was the rise of fast casual brands that were, you know, really uh, bringing together the fast casual and casual dining. And you, you started to see this intersection of, you know, high quality and high experience with sort of the counter service format. We were calling it um, fast casual 2.0. It was like this kind of new wave and it was really exciting. Um, but, you know, you also saw a lot of these, I mean, for starters, you saw a lot of these sort of big box fast casuals that were, you know, just like 4,000, 5,000 square feet. They started to really blow out their menus because of course you also saw this huge competition. Um, and so with that competition, I, I think they all decide, well, let's try to like, let's bulk up our menu to try to add some, you know, new levers to pull and all that stuff. And so what has happened now is, you know, in the last eight, nine months, it's really placed an emphasis on pare down your menu and oh, by the way, with all these new digital tools, you're going to be able to really shrink that box a lot. I mean, you, the off-premises stuff is here to stay. There's no doubt about that. There will be some room for dining, of course. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is you don't need that big box, ex crazy experience stuff to, to run a very profitable restaurant. You can run a very lean, mean restaurant with the right digital tools and with the right digital presence. And so I think that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about efficiency. Can you run a tight ship using the right tools and targeting the right customer demographic with the right menu? And, and that formula right there is going to lead to um, some really great profitability. And I'm already talking to a lot of restaurant operators who have used this season to really take another look at, all right, what's, what's our, what are our operations like in the kitchen? What's our, what's our setup like? What are our systems? And they're really retooling those to make them efficient already. And so profitability for a lot of folks I'm talking to is already going up because yeah. it, it's given this, this chance to become a more efficient system. Now that being said, right, you do have you do have restaurants like Domino's, you know, where you get a, a chance to really glimpse into the finances. Um, 
where we can see that profitability has taken a little bit of a hit initially during COVID because of all the measures that you had to, you know, uh, put in place, right? With the plexiglass, yep. with the training, with, you know, uh, distancing, communication, te- technology. There's a lot of things that increased expenses, but I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Not all of those expenses are continual things, right? A lot of them right. were temporary measures and a lot of them were kind of like, you know, I mean, sort of CapEx, right? You, you pay for it once yeah. and it's done. Um, right. But as, as you're looking at the industry and as you're seeing kind of what, what these changes are happening and uh, what do you see staying and what do you see leaving when kind of the vaccine is out there and, and the COVID scare is kind of brought down to a minimal? Because you said off-premise is here to stay, right? Yeah, for sure. And and I, I think that'll be the piece of this that um, decelerates just a bit, right? Um, because right now, we're all getting really excited in the restaurant industry about what is possible in the restaurant space, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're reinventing the restaurant over and over and over again because we're thinking about, oh, all these crazy cool things we can do with robots and with an AI. Um, and, and yeah, all that stuff is going to play a role. And yes, I think there is room for creativity. But I also think that once we do get to the other side of this, there is going to be that demand for a dining room to sit and just enjoy the experience of a restaurant again. And so, you know, for all these, it's not going to be as big as it was before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Aaron Novashen, who, you know, I know everybody in the industry knows and is a guy I respect a lot. You know, he told me he thinks it comes back maybe 80% of what it was. So, you know, I think that's, that seems like a fair assessment, right. That, you know, it doesn't come back a hundred percent, but it does come back fairly significantly. Um, And so, you know, what, what I think that means is, when I think about, for example, the Burger King prototype that they debuted a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this drive-in, drive-through, pickup lockers, you know, um, factory kind of setup where they're, you know, got conveyor belts. And that was cool, for sure. I mean, it was buzzworthy. We in the media geeked out over it because it's kind of like, Ooh, wow, look, we're imagining the restaurant of the future. Is that really going to happen? Are we going to see Burger Kings like that all over the country? I don't think necessarily. I I, hmm. I think that right now they're swinging for the fences when with what is possible, and that's a good thing because we can learn a lot from that. But I I also think at some point next year we're all going to take a breath, hopefully, and realize you know what we also can stick with some traditional restaurant stuff too. So I think it decelerates where the innovation doesn't have to push so far into reinventing what the whole restaurant model looks like. Now, real quick to, to your point though, um, what stays is certainly the sanitation stuff, right? I mean, you know, whereas, you know, before you didn't want the, the, you know, mop and bucket in the corner necessarily because it looked bad. Now it's like everybody wants that transparency of how are you taking care of cleanliness yeah. and the sanitation that doesn't go away. You're right that a lot of this stuff is kind of like the CapEx one time kind of um, uh, stuff, um, and so thankfully, it's not going to be this thing where over and over you have to invest in these big new sanitation things, but it's something you have to pay attention to, particularly with, you know, your training. So ghost kitchens, is that going to stay? Is that going to go? I mean, Next Bite just got $120 million with Ordermark to, to uh, you know, expand this um, industry out. Are we going to see a lot of ghost kitchens or is that, do you think that's a fad? Do you think restaurants are going to want to diversify their kitchens more? Um, what What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that um, I do think there's a role for it. I don't think it goes away. I think ghost kitchens, because the restaurant industry is such a digital industry now, and because 
you know, this is this is very much a virtual marketplace, right? You know, for for customers increasingly turning to their phone to order their food. You know, it's it's when you have something like a DoorDash where it is literally just this just feels like this infinite marketplace of restaurant opportunity, you know, that that platform and all the platforms similar to it are not going away and customers will continue to turn to their devices to order their food. As such, I think there's always going to be a place for more virtually oriented restaurant concepts that don't require, you know, all of the, all of that overhead, you know, you can do this very efficiently and you can run these virtual concepts. And, and, and as much as there's going to be virtual concepts, there's going to be ghost kitchens. Now, what I'm really excited about, and I think maybe there could be more of a push toward uh, in the future is with existing restaurants, more figuring out how to maximize their kitchen by doing, you know, by spinning off kind of like, you know, virtual concepts out of their own kitchen, right? So, you know, you have the the kind of ghost kitchen, you have the cloud kitchen, kitchen United kind of model what that's happening. But I, I also think that you're going to start to see a lot more of the operators kind of think more about how to use their own space and how to essentially yeah. turn their own restaurants into ghost kitchens. I think there'll be a lot more of that because you can really leverage the potential of the digital marketplace and all these ordering platforms. Um, but it doesn't have to be so much about, you know, I'm going to go enter 18 new markets because I can that because that'll start to get unwieldy. And once you get many thousands more virtual concepts just floating out in the ether, I think customers will probably get a little bit overloaded with it a little bit. So I think we'll start to see it'll temper, it'll mature, and you'll see restaurants really start to understand the model a little bit and use it more to their advantage, I think. Yeah, because I think of yesteryear, the idea of utilizing your kitchen was like a steakhouse renting out their kitchen in the nights and mornings to a bakery, right? Right. You, you would have that. And that was kind of like, hey, that's cool. But this concept of launching a new brand, it's like there, there previously was so much operational effort that goes into it. Whereas yeah. now you literally like, hey, it's like shopping on Amazon. You're like, hey, I like that concept. I want order, order a grilled cheese concept. And like, yeah. you can run that out of your kitchen, you know? And so I think you're right in terms of, there's going to there's going to be a balance of that as we're figuring that out because already before the pandemic people were complaining that there were too many restaurants right totally yeah and mm -hmm. but the difference is now you can have the option of ordering grilled cheese and indian food and a burger and a pizza from one place and get it all delivered at the same time to your house there's a convenience factor in that uh, where people like me who have food add really appreciate right um, yeah. And I, yeah, a few people have talked about this idea that you could have these like little food factories. You take an old department store, you, you turn it into a little food factory that's popping, you know, 20 concepts out the, the back door for delivery drivers. Like that's a very real opportunity in the future. But I would say though, you know, Kevin Miles of, of Mendocino Farms, I had on fast forward not too long ago. And he said this great thing, which is, you know, restaurants are still an emotional experience. Mm. People still have an emotional connection to brands. And so if I'm hungry for chicken wings right now and I pull up DoorDash and there are 45 chicken wing concepts for me, ain't going to do it for me. I don't care. I don't need that much choice. Right. But if, if I, if I scroll, 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 and I find the one that I, I have an emotional connection to, it will take my money. And you, you create that emotional experience usually through brick and mortar. So I think that's, that's how, what we're going to have to really balance out is you cannot knock the customer overhead with a thousand, you know, burger brands virtually just because you can, you've got to establish an emotional connection with them. And that's still going to have a non-virtual component, I think. 
And, and going along with that, what is, in your opinion, how does the guest experience change in the future? I mean, fast forward to, you know, five years into the future, what does the guest experience look like? What should we be preparing for now, you know, restaurateurs be preparing for now so that they can, you know, adapt to that future? Because again, I totally agree that there is an emotional connection, but I had Earl Dardick on the podcast and he goes, hey, look, here's the sad truth of it restaurants have become a manufacturing company, right? If you own a restaurant, you are a manufacturer. And, yeah. you know, how do you still create that that emotional experience that you're talking about in a virtual world where it's not in my dining room anymore, it's in your living room? Yeah, I think, um, and I think it's going to be a little bit of, a, of both. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, a cheap answer, I know. But I, I do believe like, yeah, you're going to have this sort of role of, um, digital is going to become more and more a part of the restaurant industry and a more and more a part of how um, consumers continue to engage with their favorite restaurants. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this pandemic, everybody's been saying it's expedited things, really accelerated things, you know, three, four years to where you all of a sudden have, you know, older generations who maybe didn't previously order food from their phone. They're doing that now. So you, you speed it, this up where more people are on these digital platforms. And that has implications that continues to go into the future to where you've always got to be conscious of that. However, the, the counterpoint I would say is that bringing in this emotional piece of it, I think there's always going to be the role of that neighborhood restaurant, right? You, yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's going to be an importance of smaller tight knit communities moving forward. And I, and I'm, I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm going to give this to Bill Gates, who I just heard saying this on a podcast, but he was saying, you know, he thinks there's going to be, we'll, you know, we'll edit the, that out. Bill who? <laughs> yeah, some 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 guy named Bill Gates. You yeah, know, you I'm, might be I'm, talking, I'm I'm interested to hear what Sam Oaks has to say. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. See, Ocus, you see, I did. There you go. Uh, you're bringing it to, so we're uh, connected. Yeah. So he, um, so he said, you know, because of where you see the urban centers, we've all watched as, you know, more people sort of flee the cities, which is, you know, it's overstated to say the cities are dead, of course, but more people fleeing the cities. Um, you know, I think he was predicting that he sees there being more of, you know, smaller communities that are really built around kind of, you know, what you need. You don't need these mega cities where, you know, everything is at your disposal. It's just going to be a sm more of a smaller community because because of working from home that people can now choose those smaller communities because they can just work from home, right? So I, I think I bring that up because, you know, even if that doesn't end up being the case, the point is, is that your your corner bar, your neighborhood diner, these places still have real emotional meaning to us. And and there's always going to be room for them. And so they think restaurant operators, even, you know, chain franchisees, if you can create that neighborhood vibe fit into your community to where you're not just feeding them, but you're 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 serving a very important role in their lives you're going to maintain that emotional connection that gets them to engage with your brand, both in person and virtually. And so I think that's something we always have to remember is that if I want cheap food and I don't care what it is, I'm just hungry right now, order my food, boop, 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 you know, fine. Okay. That there's, that's one experience, but you know, for my family, we have our favorite restaurants and we want to support them. And that will always continue to be something we do. What, I mean, like, is what about human nature? Like, why is it that there is down the street a maybe C plus restaurant that has the guy who owns it is just an incredible guy. I love him. There's a picture of me and him on his wall. Like, you know, why do I still go there when I don't really like the food and I could make it better myself and less greasy at home? But I go there like, what is it about humans that we do that? 
we 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 root for the underdog in some ways, you know, but we also want to support each other. It's a it's a yeah, I mean, you know, you you, uh, you those like divey kind of places that you know they don't clean all the time. There's still it's it's nostalgic. Um, I I don't know. There's just something charming about it, and especially you know I've got those restaurants where I know the owner, and you know I feel like I get personal service when I walk in. You know, you just want to reward those places because you feel like this is special. I'm not just here to well, eat, and they're just trying knows to move your me name. through. <laughs> totally. Like I'd kill to have, you know, a cheers that, you know, I have two small children, so I don't get to do that as much in my life anymore. But like the belly up to the bar place, you know, like we all love those kind of places. And it's because we feel special. They take care of us. That's what restaurants do. And and you cannot do that, ex, you know, solely through a virtual experience. So from your vantage point, right, again, you've seen a lot of stuff. You You are like at the forefront of talking with restaurant owners, operators, marketers, um, what have you seen lately that you would say, all right, if you own a restaurant, here's something that you should try. Maybe a couple of things, but you know, I would love to hear kind of like, what would be your, your tactical advice to restaurants at this point? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I would say, I would say, don't be afraid to take big swings right now. Um, you know, of course we're pretty deep into this pandemic and, um, hopefully don't have too much more time to go, but you know, the general advice I hear from most operators these days is if you did nothing in this season, if you're just squeaking by, you're doing it wrong. You got to use this opportunity to try some new things. Um, and, and because generally speaking, you know, unless you're doing something wild and crazy that doesn't fit your brand whatsoever, generally speaking, I think you'll be rewarded for it because you have an opportunity now to take a step back and to just re-examine who you are as a brand, what you are as a restaurant, what you mean to your customers, and then and try some stuff because you know this the season is your your customers are going to be pretty forgiving right now, right? I mean, because this is just a unique situation for everybody. So they're going to be forgiving. Um, and if your business is down, especially, I don't want to say you do have nothing to lose because you have a lot to lose. But the, I guess the point is, is that like right now, you just need to be trying some stuff. And, and there's a lot of incredible technology out there, especially, you know, thinking about ordering platforms and, you know, thinking about loyalty programs and thinking about, you know, all the ways in which you can engage with your customers, learn more about your customers, data, 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 right? That's, we've been doing this for a long time, but data is a big part of it. I think that, you know, you should be doing those things now because um, it, it, it will reward you when we get to the other side of this thing. So when, when people talk about digital innovations, you don't have to go spin up a virtual concept and open across the country in a ghost kitchen. You don't have to do that stuff. I mean, that stuff is kind of fun. We get to watch all these brands trying that, that out. But it can be so simple as, you know, rolling out a new loyalty program um, and app that you know helps you get a handle of who your customers are and then start to play around with you know okay well how do i get them into the restaurant more how do i learn more about them you know you can you can sort of slowly wade into the waters of digital um and i guess the point is is to this digital stuff is not going to go away. The restaurant industry is only in its infancy when it comes to technological innovations and, and digital innovations. And so I think you really need to start kicking some tires with those digital tools now. And you do not have to do it so whole hog as to, you know, become a virtual concept. So I guess that that would be my advice is that figure out how it can work for your brand, wade into those waters a little bit and just see how it goes. Love that. Here are my takeaways. Number one, 2021, there's going to be a big economic boom and restaurants are going to be riding that. So buckle up, get ready. Number two, things that are going to go 
um, large menus, large footprints, those things, you know, are a thing of the past, things that are going to stay. Uh, the virtualization of restaurants and the sanitization of restaurants. Um, number four, the future is all about small with people being virtual, smaller communities. Make sure, as we've talked about, a lot of guests talk about on the podcast, make sure that you're getting involved in your community. And then number five, take big swings because customers are forgiving. The rules are being rewritten. Nobody knows how many strikes you got until you're out. So if you're at the plate, swing. Sam, Okus, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how do people find you, follow you? Yeah, sure. Well, of course, go to qsrmagazine.com um, and subscribe to QSR virtually, you know, the, the our, our um, daily e-letter, or you can subscribe to the print monthly print magazine that we have as well. Also, you can email me, sam at qsrmagazine.com, find me on all the social media, but importantly, go to subscribe to Fast Forward, which is my weekly podcast where I'm talking to um, QSR and fast casual restaurant leaders. Um, lots of interesting things that we talk about there. Awesome. Well, Sam, for being such a great light in the restaurant community, for leaving behind all that pump and pizzazz of the arts and music to come join us over here on the food side of things. Today's ovation goes <laughs> to you, man. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Yeah, thanks, Zach. It was a pleasure. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.